This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Well, it is a scary thing, isn't it? Uh, It's a scary thing to lose a memory. And if you've ever forgotten something um, that you wish you could recall, it's it's not good and it can be scary. And maybe you know what I mean. Maybe you've experienced this before. Uh, Let me give you an example. Uh, You see, I am anything but a night owl. Uh, If I had my ways, I would be in bed most days by 8.30. Not always the case, but that would be my ideal. Uh, I'm an early to bed kind of guy. And and the truth is that even then, like the last half hour before I fall asleep is usually kind of a blur. And so what happens periodically from time to time is, is my wife will say something to me like, do you remember what you said before bed last night or what you did or the conversation we had? And uh, with a little bit of panic in my voice, I'll have to admit that, no, I, I don't remember what I said or what I did or what we talked about. It's, it's kind of scary to lose a memory. And, and maybe you know what that's like. Maybe, God forbid, you've been in some sort of accident or had a concussion and there's a few minutes of your life that are just a blur and you can't remember. Or, or maybe you've watched this happen in someone you love, like an aging parent or grandparent. Uh, struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's and it's sad but it's scary to watch them slowly lose the memories that they once had. It's it's, uh, scary to lose to lose memories Uh, but there is something that I think is even more terrifying than losing a memory or two or three or four here or there and that is the thought of losing our very identity And uh, maybe you've seen this, again, play out in the life of of someone you love, when they forget who they are, right? That's a scary thought to think that we might lose that. And maybe you've seen it in in that aging parent or grandparent with dementia or Alzheimer's as they've forgotten about who they are as a husband or wife or mom or or dad or their whole career and everything they poured their life into. Or maybe you've heard about some example on the news of of a surgery gone wrong or or someone with some sort of disease or illness or accident that that led them to forget their very identity. It's, It's one thing to forget a memory, what you had for breakfast last Tuesday or what you said last night before bed, but it's a whole nother thing to lose an identity. But we do it all the time. We, we often forget who we are. And in our forgetfulness, we start acting like someone we're not. See, that's what, what, what Paul is writing to the Romans about today in our reading. The, the, the Romans, in a sense, like us, have a tendency to forget who they are. And so they start acting like someone they're not. They, they fall back into old patterns and, and old failings. They're greedy and they gossip, they lie and, and they lust, they're jealous and they're materialistic. They sin. And, and what Paul is saying is, is that all of that, all of that sin, it's not who they are. It has no place in, in the life that they've been given. And, and because they're so forgetful, because they've lost sight of their identity, Paul reminds them today of who they are, that they are baptized believers in Jesus, beloved sons and daughters of God. What an identity that is. Paul will go on to spend the whole rest of that chapter explaining what that means for their lives. But one of the things he says is that what it means for us is that in our baptism, Paul says that we are united with Jesus. 
So, so that what was ours, our sin, our guilt, our shame, the punishment we deserve, the death that we had racked up, that what was ours was given to Jesus. And it was taken with him there on the cross. And through baptism, we are united to that death of Christ. So that when we are baptized, our sin, our shame, our guilt was crucified right there along with Jesus. And what then Paul goes on to say is that, that what belongs to Jesus through baptism is now applied to us. That when we pass through the waters, everything that is Christ's is now yours. His victory over death, his conquering of the grave, his resurrection and his life everlasting, his righteousness belongs to you. And you don't deserve it, but it's simply a gift. In baptism, we are united to Jesus so that what was ours is his. Or what, yeah, what was ours was his and what is his is now ours too, including his identity. You see, we too now are God's beloved sons and daughters, just like Jesus. We're united to him. What was ours is his. What is his is now ours. Have you ever said that to someone, maybe to a friend who's come over for dinner or, or to a house guest who's staying with you for the week? You've opened your doors. You said, my home is your home. What's mine is yours and yours. Is mine. Most of us have said something like that, right, to a visitor who is with us. But I, I don't know about you, I'll speak for myself right now. I very rarely mean it. I mean, I want them to be comfortable, and I mean it to a point, but I, I don't really mean that everything that is mine is theirs, right? There are still closets that I don't want them looking through, still drawers I hope they don't open, still notebooks and journals I have around that I really hope they, they don't read. And and I don't really want everything that is theirs to become mine, right? I don't want all of their problems. I can't handle that. I, I don't want all of their messes. It would be nice if they put their cups in the, the, the sink when they're done and close the toilet seat and maybe threw the sheets back over their bed after they woke up in the morning. Uh, again, it's not that I don't want them to be comfortable and, and to feel at rest in my home. It's just that I'm, I'm keeping them slightly at arm's length and there are things that I'm guarding and keeping for myself. I say what's mine is yours and yours is mine, but I, I don't always mean it. But, but Jesus does. He really means that, that in baptism we are united to him and he takes the worst of what we have and he, and he took it with him all the way to the cross. And, and that death that he died to sin is now applied to you so that your sin would have no power over you so that it could not condemn you and wag its confused, accusing finger at you. You are dead to sin. And alive now with Jesus, you are his beloved, baptized child. Another way of thinking about this unity we share with Jesus is kind of like this. And excuse me for this example, it's not the most pious. But uh, have you ever had like a, a really piece of sticky tape stuck to your finger or to your hand? Or like a really staticky piece of plastic, like a plastic grocery bag or something? And, and you're trying to get it off of you and so you're shaking your hand and Kind of making yourself look silly and eventually you try to peel it off with the other hand but now it just gets stuck there and so you're kind of waving your hand around but it just won't get unstuck that's like the unity that we have with jesus in, in baptism he is so united to us again taking the worst of us and giving us the best of himself every good thing from jesus is applied to you so that you might boldly declare i am a baptized child of god now, the truth is that it would be nice that once we leave the waters of baptism, that we would suddenly think and act and speak like we should, like God's 
children, right? And, and that we would walk in his ways to the glory of his holy name. But I think we all know that that's not quite true. We continually need this reminder of who we are because we continually forget. We continually lose sight of our identity. And we go back to the old ways. We, 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 we lie and we lust. We gossip and we're greedy. We're, we're jealous and we're materialistic. Uh, it takes a lifetime, really, to grow up into who we are. Who we're made in, in baptism is real and it's eternal. Uh, but it's an identity that we grow in year after year, day after day, decade after decade. Uh, Paul knows that, that we have this tendency to go backwards. And, and so you could kind of think about it like this. Uh, imagine that one day uh, you are sitting at home and you're trying to figure out some problem, some everyday stress or worry that we all have, right? Like maybe you're sitting down with your checkbook and the credit card statement trying to figure out how you're going to pay this month's bills. Or maybe you've got the calendar and the kids' schedule, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to be 10 places at once and drive everyone to where they need to be. Or maybe you've got the list of doctors, because uh, you're, you're trying to make sure that your parents have the best care that they need right now, and they've got a lot going on, and, and, and you are carrying the weight of all of this, and it's keeping you up late at night, whatever it is, whatever stress or worry that you have. And, and that's when you get a knock on the door. And uh, let's say that it's Bill Gates or, uh, or Jeff Bezos, or if you're a sports star, LeBron James or Michael Jordan, and they knock on your door and they say, get in the car, you're coming to my house. My home is now your home. What's yours is mine and mine is yours. I got a whole new life waiting for you. Things are gonna be different from here on out. So close that checkbook, throw away the list of doctors, right? I got the best ones on retainer. I got kids who are gonna drive uh, them. I got people who are gonna drive your kids around to their practices. I got someone who's gonna keep track of it all and I'm gonna pay your bills. Your debt is no more, right? That would be amazing, but it would take some getting used to. For most of us, for a while at least anyway, we would continue to go back to those old worries. We'd still wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat wondering how we're going to pay the bills or, or where we should have dropped our kids off at or if, did we forget to pick one of them up, right? It's going to take time to adjust to this new life. And, and that's how it is with our baptism. We are given this new identity by grace and grace alone. We are united with Jesus. But as long as we live in, in these sinful bodies, we're going to continually look backwards. The, the old temptations, the old accusations are going to continue to haunt us. And so that's why we need this reminder that we all heard today. You are a beloved, baptized child of God. Jesus has taken your guilt, your shame, and your sin. It was crucified with him on the cross. And you now live as a righteous, holy, perfect child of God. I'm going to leave you with that today, with that reminder. Because I think it's the one that we all need, isn't it? And the truth is that I would guess that there's someone in your life that needs the reminder too. That there's someone, maybe it's someone in your own home, who is listening to some temptation, who is hearing some accusation that they're not good enough or not worthy, and they need someone, and it might just be you, to say, dear brother, dear sister, you are a child of God. You have been baptized into Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. 
You see, what this passage also reminds me is that when sin rears its ugly head in our lives, when we see sin in our own lives or in the lives of someone around us, we're, we're actually not shocked or scandalized by it. We know that this tendency will be there until the day that we die, that we'll keep going back. When, when we sin or when someone around us sins, we're not shocked, we're not scandalized. All we do is to simply turn. And, and we say, the old has gone, the new has come. That's not who I am. I'm leaving that behind. I am a beloved, baptized child of God, beautiful in God's sight. And when we see a brother or sister in Christ sinning, again, we're not shocked, we're not scandalized. We simply say, dear friend, dear sister, dear brother, do you see what you're doing? That has no part to play in the life of one of God's children. So why don't we turn together and face our Savior and receive his gifts of love and grace. I do want to end here, but I, I want to say something to anyone who's worshiping with us today who may not be baptized. And after all that we've talked about, hopefully you've seen that I think it's an amazing gift that God gives. I think God says it's a wonderful, wonderful expression of his very heart that in baptism he would so freely draw people into himself and unite himself to sinners like us. But you might be thinking that you're on the outside looking in if you haven't been baptized. And so what I want to say to you is that you are overwhelmingly and eternally loved. Until you reach those waters, do not doubt that God loves you and he always will. And, and while we don't believe that baptism is God's only gift, we do believe it's a special gift. And, and so if you would like to talk to someone about baptism and how to be baptized, I would love to talk to you more about it. Please get in touch. We have the text line there. Send us a message. Uh, call the church office. I would love to share more with you about that gift and walk with you to the waters. I would love to see you be baptized, as would your Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.